Good. All eyes turned on me, so I guess that's finished behind me. Cool. What was that prayer that you just prayed about surrendering our lives? That's quite a bold prayer, isn't it, to pray? Did you pray that along with Claire? You did. <laughs> wow. Um, what are the things about your lifestyle that you don't want to change? Have a think. <laughs> I know yours. It's not because I'm prophetic. It's because you told me a few minutes ago. <laughs> what, what, what are the things that you don't want to change <clears throat> about the way that you do things, about who you are, the way that you are, the way that you act? Oh, that's okay. You don't want to change that. That's a good thing. I don't, I'm not expecting often, if you're a guest with us tonight, uh, people have got into the very good habit of giving me some feedback. Uh, some good feedback, Steve, okay? No heckling. Uh, and, um, but I don't, I don't, you don't have to say if there's some stuff in your life. I'm not expecting you to put your hand up and admit to it in front of everyone else. So just take a pause for a second. In your life, the stuff that you, we just prayed... I want to give my life. I want to surrender my life. What's the bits that you want to hold on to? What are the bits of your lifestyle that you don't want to give up for God? Wow. Yeah, so the, the, the riches that, that you are afforded because of the job that you have, because you've become accustomed to that. Thank you, John. It's very honest of you. Thank you. As I say, I'm not looking for people to, to say anything. You all, you all know, those of you that are regular, know that I was challenged to give up uh, coffee, caffeinated coffee, some moons ago. And it's, you don't drink coffee, so it doesn't matter. But those of you who do drink coffee, it is so funny the response I get when I tell the story of God literally pinning me to the floor and saying, you can't start a day without a coffee, can you, son? Me getting all proud about all the things that I've given up in my life. And then God saying, what about coffee? And other people, well, they sit and they laugh. and They go, yeah, that's all right for him. God's not going to make me give up coffee. I like my coffee too much. I've never heard anyone yet come to me and say, do you know what? Actually, I'm dependent on coffee as well. I need coffee to get me through today. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. <laughs> Nailed. Or Jaffa Cakes. Nailed by your own son. <clears throat> so here we are looking at the last message in the series. I hope you found some answers along the way to uh, why we are Christians and our Christian lifestyle and what it means to people who aren't Christians. Some of those questions, I think... Top reasons not to be a Christian is what we've looked at. So is the Bible true? Good. I hope you found some answers along the way. This is excellent. Good. Uh, there is no absolute truth. Thank you. Is there anyone else out there? Is there I was just asking them. Is there anyone else out there? Are Christians judgmental and hypocritical? If God is good, why is there evil and suffering? Is Jesus the only pathway to God? Those are what we've looked at so far. And the last one is, I don't want to change my lifestyle. 
Top reason is not to be a Christian. You don't want to change your lifestyle. What does it mean to commit your all? What does it mean to offer everything to God? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It is such a big thing when a person gives their life to Jesus, as somebody did only 10 or so days ago, here in the middle of our encounter evening. It's just what I thought I might get a few whoops. You know, because at the moment there's this fantastic party going on in heaven because someone has given their life back to Jesus. And it doesn't happen in churches a lot. You what? No, <laughs> I haven't primed Claire enough. She's been very good for all the other stuff. Yeah? Um, that's a really big thing. Somebody comes back to God. It's a massive thing. And we should celebrate that every time that happens. And that happened here, and it is happening all the time. But when a person gives their life to Jesus, Jesus makes a demand. It doesn't cost you anything, but it costs you everything. It doesn't cost anything, but it costs everything. He asks us at that point to put away our past. He deals with all that rubbish, and he says... Go and sin no more. Leave it all behind. Total obedience, total loyalty in exchange for a full and satisfying life. God is totally loving. He sent his son for you. And in exchange, he wants your heart, your soul, your mind and your body everything, the whole package. It's the most costly commitment you'll ever make. Forget about that mortgage business. I love the word mortgage. Does anyone know what mortgage means in French? Are there any French speakers? Because otherwise I can really have a stab at what it actually means. <laughs> Death grip. Death grip. It's great, isn't it? But anyway, the uh, commitment you make to Jesus is even more important and even more costly than your death grip that you're living in at the moment. I've got a number of brothers. I've got three brothers. And uh, my... Uh, they're all older than me. Anyway, I don't want to try and explain their age. Um, he would not become a Christian. Uh, not because I probably couldn't argue about all of the truths. But because... He doesn't want to change his lifestyle because he thinks that he is having the time of his life and uh, he doesn't want to give that up. He thinks that becoming a Christian will make his life dull and boring and he'll have to give up all the fun things. There have been times when I've talked to people about Jesus and asked them what would prevent them from believing is it, do they need to know that this is not a dusty old book, that this is the living word of God? Do they need to know that Jesus is who he says he is? Do they need to know that God is still good, even though there is evil and suffering? If I could prove to them all that was true, would it make a difference? And the answer is no. 
because it's not really about faith or belief. The reason why people don't want to become Christians is because it's a matter of the will. And people's wills are very strong. People don't want to become a Christian because they believe, they know that they're going to have to change their lifestyle. And that, for some, is just too hard because they don't want to change. Because maybe in some parts of you, you don't want to change either. Maybe that's been a long time for some of you. Why should you live for God instead of living for yourself? Well, let's see if I can give you a few reasons. The first one is that lovely passage from Romans 12. It is. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I could probably stop there. Because once you grasp the depth of those few words, in view of God's mercy... Once you can grasp that, I can stop being a vicar. My job, my job is done. Well, you and the other 10,000 people that I have the cure of souls or joint cure of souls with Claire for who live in this parish, as if I'm bound by parish boundaries. In view of God's mercy, what has he done for you that you should change? Secondly, he knows everything about you. Who knows Psalm 139? It must be a few of your probably favourite psalms. Did you know that God knows everything about you? Yes, you did. Good. He knows when you get up, when you go to bed, your thoughts, your needs, your desires, the hairs on your head. You can tell or lack of, thank you. Everything you go through, all your inconsistencies, all your fears, all your failures. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. The psalm says, no matter where we go, God is there. There is no getting away from him. And that's not meant to seem scary, and I'm sure it doesn't. It's supposed to bring great comfort. Wherever you go, however deep you are in trouble, you can call on him to get you out of there. And he will hear and he will rescue you. He knows everything about you. Next up, he knows what's best for you. His commands are motivated by love. His very jealous love. 
It's not some sort of holy straitjacket, but they are meant to protect you from harm. Stuart, you're a great cyclist, right? Do you love some? <laughs> I love the way his, his wife sniggered. <clears throat> I'm sure it was just some dust in the air or something. But you're a keen cyclist. I'm hoping he answers the right... Sometimes with Stuart, I take a bit of a risk. And he, and he, and he answers in a way which I'm not expecting. <laughs> you like cycling? Yeah, you've got all the gear. You've probably got the, you know, the funny shoes. Yeah? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Can I share that with the, with, the, with the family? Can I share that with the family? He shaves his legs for all of the, those on that side who didn't hear... I'll put an email out. We'll put, we'll put it on the this week, shall we? Yeah. We'll put it on the notice sheet. Good. Uh, you've probably got a helmet, have you? Yeah, you, you wear your helmet. Why do you wear your helmet? <laughs> to cover your ball patch. Right, that's it. I told you. Anyone else knows why he wears his helmet? He wears his helmet to protect himself. When we, when we lived in Bristol, we lived in a, in a busy street, quite a, quite a main street in Bristol. And um, we, uh, the kids were a few years younger, and we didn't really let them play in the front garden. And there's a reason for that, because if they played in the front garden with their football or whatever else, the chances are it might roll into the street. So we put those boundaries in place in order to protect them, to keep them safe from harm. Um, it's not meant to restrict their feet freedom, just meant to stop them from getting killed in the traffic. If I were the kind of parent that most people want God to be, I would have simply let Bella and Woody just do whatever they want to do. No matter what the consequences are. Whereas as a, as a good parent, as a good father, I am supposed to protect them from the consequences, such as getting hit by a car or a truck. I am expected to be a good parent. He knows what is best for us. He knows what is best for us. And he's even taken the trouble to write it all down. He knows what's best and yet we choose otherwise. We choose to uh, not do what's best for us. Because um, like murder hurts. Adultery hurts. Stealing hurts. Lying Hurts, slander, hurts. God's requirement is for us to change our lifestyle and it's there for our protection so we can avoid the harmful effects of the choices that we make, our sinful life, and enjoy that full and wonderful life that he has for us when we walk with him. Next up, how about we reap what we sow? How does that feel as, a, as an answer as to why you should change your lifestyle? Not in some sort of karmic way, you understand. I haven't gone all Hindu on you. I don't mean that if you're a bad person, that in another life you might turn up as like a flea or one of those horrible stag beetles. I mean, they just terrify the living daylights out of me. Um, but if you play with matches... You get burned. I knew some of the oh, wiser. I nearly said older. 
uh, uh, wiser people would know that. If you steal, if you break the law, you run the risk of getting caught. We've had this amazing uh, uh, God-given opportunity where the community payback team, we would know them as community service. Okay, they're now called the community payback team. They have been clearing the alleyway down the side of our church here. Right? Now, God, I know from past experience that God only brings people into the church, broken people, hurting people, when God knows he can trust his church to actually help those broken and hurting people. And I take it as a sign that he has brought some broken and some hurting people right onto our very doorstep because he trusts us to know what to do with them, to help them to be restored. Now, I had some, I've had some great conversations with them, um, and I'm sure it's where Jesus would have been. Uh, not that I'm comparing myself to Jesus, that I'm just... <laughs> Out there. Although, I must share with you, uh, Mary Louise's little boy, Elijah, who, who came to worship with us on a Sunday morning, um, I was up on stage a couple of months ago, and he said, and, and, and I came down, and mum said, um, Elijah wants to tell you something. He said, yeah, sort of, yeah, hi. Uh, Elijah, tell me, I, I think you're Jesus. <laughs> you look like Jesus. <laughs> Apparently at home, they've got two Jesus. They've got a black Jesus and a white Jesus, and I look like the white Jesus. <laughs> Obviously, I don't look like the black Jesus. It's pretty clear. Okay, I've had some great conversations with them. How did you get into this situation? I did something stupid. I did something stupid. You play with matches. You get burned. If you break the law, you're likely to get caught. If you sleep around, you risk STIs and unwanted pregnancies. If you drive under the influence, you run the risk of injuring yourself and others. You probably get the idea. We do live in this kind of cause and effect world. What you do affects others and it affects you. I, for one, and I and I can say this with a couple of police officers in the room, I'm very happy that I no longer have to look over my shoulder at whether I'm going to get caught by the local Bobby. I know how much happier I am following and obeying the rules. Okay. The next reason that you should change your lifestyle is that God owns you. He owns you. You are his property. He is the creator, and you, lovely people, are the created ones. If you, any, any got any potters amongst us? Nobody does any pottery done it in the past. If you make a, a pot, right, you get to choose what it is, don't you? The, the clay doesn't turn around to you and go, I want to be whatever. No. The pot doesn't give you permission. You as the designer, you know what you're creating it to be. You know how it's supposed to work. And so it is with God. The creator of the universe 
of all things, seen and unseen, also created you. That's pretty mind-blowing too. And he has every right to claim back what is his. To be used for his purposes. And the last reason. How about, how about you change your lifestyle so that you can enjoy all the benefits that Jesus has promised for you? Is that a good enough one to sell it to you this evening? Jesus said that the thief comes only to kill, to steal and destroy. And that he came so that you, Lily, could have life and life in all its fullness. One of my favourite passages, John 10.10. People often miss out the first bit that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus came so that you might have life and life in all its fullness. I don't know about you, but I've had uh, an empty life and I've had and I have a full life. I will take my full life over my empty life any day and there is no amount of money which could tempt me back to that old life. I've done a lot of things in this world that the world tells us are good and pleasurable and I know the emptiness that comes from it. I know how much chasing I was doing to fill my life with what the world tells me are good and pleasurable things, but which just left me really empty. Jesus took my life and he filled it with good things. Thank you, Lord. To finish with, what if Christianity is wrong? Do you ever think that sometimes? Does that ever come in? Yeah, good. Yeah. I do sometimes. Sometimes I'm caught. I catch myself thinking, what, what if this is wrong? What if I've just like, made a mistake? What if none of this is true? None of this is right? What if the Bible is wrong? What if there is no absolute truth? What if we can't explain suffering? What if Jesus was a liar or insane or whatever? Well, what happens then? Probably one of two things. Nothing. We just die and that's it. That's the first possibility. Possibility number two. Another religion is correct. And most other religions recognise Jesus as a good man, so... We've been trying to lead good lives, swallowing him, so um, we're probably okay. And if you're leading a fairly decent life, you're probably all right. You don't have much to worry about. But what if Christianity is right? What if Jesus is who he says he is? What if the Bible is true? then, of course, you get to make a decision, don't you? Based on the evidence, based on what you've heard. What do you decide? 
you decide to accept him or reject him. You decide. God in his grace and in his mercy has given us that decision. You decide to accept or reject. I hope you all know what acceptance brings. If you don't, class, see me afterwards and I will give you a one-to-one special because you need to know what accepting God's mercy and God's grace will do for you. And what does rejection bring? Well, I'll leave that to you to decide. And um, I'm sure, because we're such a great church, we'll cover that one day. What does rejection bring? We have made, I suddenly wrote this down very small, so I've got to get close. We have made Christianity difficult to understand and easy to live. We've made Christianity difficult to understand and easy to live. Whereas I believe Christianity is easy to understand and difficult to live. Because it requires you to change. There you go. I've given you some reasons why I think you should change your lifestyle and live for God rather than for yourself. In view of God's mercy, he knows everything about you. He knows what is best for you. There are consequences to your actions. He owns you and has the right to make demands of you. And Jesus promises you wonderful benefits in living in obedience to him. I hope and I pray that you can see the truth of that. God loves you more than you will ever be able to know this side of heaven. The other side of heaven, you won't mind. You won't mind about all the questions. That's something else I often think. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God about da-da-da, 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 da-da-da. I've got all these questions wrapped up. I think, what am I talking about? How darned ridiculous. I'm going to be stood in front of God. Do you think I'm going to be asking him questions or I'm going to be bowing down in worship? He loves you so much that he sent his son for you and he wants the best for you. He wants you to have a full life here on earth and the promise of eternal life with him forever. Yes, he wants you to change your lifestyle and live for him, but that is for your benefit. That's for your good. He wants your joy and your happiness more than you do. Amen. It's been a good series. Nice. I'll take that. Thank you, young man. Shall we stand up? The, um, the awesome thing about God is that you can't work There's nothing you can do to make yourself acceptable to God. 
If you're trying to stop it, it will wear you out. Receive his gift of grace. Believe it in your heart. And the wonderful thing is, it's all God that does it anyway. Because if it was us doing it, they wouldn't be in our power and our strength. But God sends his Holy Spirit so that you can know the truth. So you can know up here, in here, what it all means. So that you can know God, his Holy Spirit. I wonder if we might sing that spirit of the living God.